Today on The Journey. For you died and your sins are now hidden with Christ. So we died to sin through our union with Christ. I tell you the truth, Jesus said in John 12, 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And those seeds sprout into the fruit of the Spirit and of righteousness. With that in mind, on today's broadcast, Ron Moore explains how we can put to death the sin nature and bear fruit to eternal life. Also, we want you to know about a companion devotional to this series. There you'll learn how to share in Christ's overflowing life, a life full of joy and passion. It's available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Overflowing, Fully Dead, On The Journey. I want you to think of, if you've trusted in Christ, I want you to think of a sin that haunts you. I believe every Christian has a weak area of their life. It pursues us. It is like a magnetic pull. And we can't seem to distance ourselves from it. And right when we think we haven't handled, there it is rearing its ugly head again in our life. But whatever it is, it haunts you and you just can't seem to get rid of it. It is mostly dead, which means what? It is somewhat alive. Now, how in the world does a follower of Jesus Christ, a person who says they've trusted in Christ, a person who wants to follow Jesus, how in the world do we deal with those haunting sins in our life? Or here's a, maybe a better question. Should a follower of Christ even have those haunting sins in his or her life? Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to focus today on verses 5 through 7. But I want to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 to kind of set the context for the verses we're going to focus on. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with Him in glory. And then verse 5, put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then Paul gives a list, not an exhaustive list of sins, but he gives a list, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, put to death evil desires, and greed. And then Paul explains greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Now listen again to what Paul writes. He says what? Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death those haunting sins. 
Now, for us to understand what that means, what putting to death sin means, what I need to do today is to back up a bit. I need to do some theological groundwork. So I need you to hang with me as we kind of back up and then work our way back to this verse to understand what it means to put to death those things in our earthly nature. Two times in Colossians, other passages as well, Paul tells us that believers have died to sin. We have died with Christ. Look at chapter 2, verse 20. He says, since you, what? Died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. Why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? And then he says in chapter 3, verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So let's think about what it means that we died with Christ. First of all, let's just think of the tense of the word. Is it future tense? Is it present tense? Is it past tense? Past tense. It happened. It's completed. It's over. We cannot die to sin any more than we already have. And then there's a second thing. We have to ask, well, how did that happen? How did we die to sin? Chapter 2, verse 20. Since you died with who? Christ. And then chapter 3, verse 3. For you died and your sins are now hidden with Christ. So we died to sin through our union with Christ. Paul talks about this union with Christ all the time in his letters. He uses different words to describe it. Sometimes he says, in Christ. This is the phrase he uses most, in Christo. 86 times in just Paul's letters alone, he says, you are, the believer is in Christ. Sometimes he says, in him. Sometimes he uses the phrase, in the Lord. Sometimes he uses the phrase, as he does here in Colossians, with Christ. No less than 167 times, Paul mentions this union with Christ. So we need to understand, don't we, what that union with Christ is all about. So let's again back up a little bit to understand this union with Christ so we can then understand what it means to put sin to death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 22 is a critical verse in understanding this. And here's what the verse says. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now in this verse, Paul says there are two spheres in which you can live. There are two places you can be. You can either be in Adam or in Christ. When Adam sinned in Genesis chapter 3, he was our representative. That means his sin was as truly our sin as if we had committed it ourselves. When Adam sinned in Genesis 3, it was as if we were there and we committed that sin. Think of it this way. Let's say that you're going to buy a house. And you know when you buy a house, you're like 50,000 pieces of paper to sign. And right at the last minute, you get called out of the country. You can't be there for the signing. But you need to get the signing done. So you come to me and you say, I want you to be my what? Power of attorney. I want you to sign the papers for me. I'm not going to be there, but you're going to be officially my power of attorney. And as your power of attorney, 
when I sign the paper, it is as if you signed it. All the responsibilities of those contracts that my name is on, you have to complete. You're held responsible for them. Same thing with Adam. God made Adam our power of attorney. As the first man, you say, well, I didn't want Adam to be my power of attorney. <laughs> well, that's tough. He is our power of attorney. When he sinned, he signed for us. It was as if we were there. In Adam, Paul says, all die. Now, there's another sphere in which to live. In fact, Paul has already told us in Colossians that God rescued us and he transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves, right? So the other sphere that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, 22 is the sphere where Christ is the head. And who would be in this sphere? All believers. Just as Adam was our power of attorney, so now Jesus is our power of attorney. He is our representative head. That means that when Christ died on the cross, it was as if we were there dying with him. As our power of attorney, he signed for us. So his signature is as good as ours. His death became our death. We died in Christ. So Paul can say what? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. When we trust in Christ, we trust in his work on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. And we call that justification. We stand clean and we stand clear before God. Now we saw in chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. And we call that glorification. So that's going to be the future. Not you may or you hope you can, but you will appear with him in glory. You died, done. You're going to appear with him in glory, but we're not there yet, are we? And in this life, we're going to deal with the presence of sin all around us. The penalty of sin is taken care of. But the propensity to sin, the sin nature, the influence of sin is going to be around us our entire walk with Christ. But here's the deal. We don't have to let those sins control us. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 6. Paul says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Think about these words. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body 
so that you obey its evil desire. Less than 24 hours ago, I participated in a wedding where we pronounced a couple, husband and wife, and at that time, they were married. Now, they will not be any more married five years from now, or 25 years from now, or 50 years from now, as they were the moment we said man and wife, right? But, beginning today, they're going to be interacting with each other. They're going to be growing in their walk with each other. They're going to be learning about each other. They're going to have challenges in their relationship. There are going to be temptations coming to their relationship. And they're going to have to make some decisions regarding sacrifice, regarding discipline, regarding obedience, regarding spending time with each other to build that relationship. See, that's what the relationship with Christ is. The marriage took place. The justification took place. We can't be any more justified 10 years from now as we are right now. But the growth process, spending time with him, walking with him, loving him, and challenges that try to drive a wedge in that relationship, those are the things that we have to deal with. And that process is called sanctification. And we're going to be in that process until the day we die. Now, I want to say one thing about that marriage analogy. Here's where it breaks down. A husband and wife in marriage can get a divorce. Doesn't happen with Christ. Nothing can separate you from his love. He holds you in his hand. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand, he says. John chapter 10. Also, as we did the vows yesterday, one of the last phrases was, until death us do part. Well, death doesn't separate us here. In fact, we pass from death into life, John chapter 5. We are absent from the body, but we are present with the Lord. We have been justified. We will be glorified. But now in this time of our life, we have some work to do, don't we? So Paul says in chapter 3, verse 5, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. The phrase Paul uses, put to death, is used 11 times in the New Testament. Nine of those times, it means to literally kill someone. Putting someone physically to death. And so Paul uses that strong, aggressive phrase to say when sin shows up in your life, see it as an intruder. See it as someone trying to come in, steal in your relationship and be hostile to it and be hostile to what it stands for and put it to death. Now, putting sins to death in our life, it's going to be a challenge as long as we live. Sin would not be tempting if it didn't appeal to us. And we see this so clearly in the first sin. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was what? Good for food. And pleasing to the eye. And desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. Now do you think if the fruit had been an ugly, bumpy, hard, bitter crab apple, 
It would have been so tempting. No. But it was good. It was pleasing to the eye. And it was desirable. And she saw, and she wanted, and she took, and she rebelled against the living God. All sin is such a rebellion. Sin is ignoring God's authority. Anytime we sin, anytime we are not putting down sin in our life, putting it to death, anytime we let that go, we are exalting our desire over God's known will. So we're saying, God, I know this is what you say, and that's what I want to live by, but, you know, I really don't care. I'm going to exalt myself. Well, I know you say not to do it, but I kind of like it. It's kind of looks good and it's appealing and it's desirable. Paul said you can't live like that. You can't let sin control you. You have to put it to death. You have to beat it down. You have to not don't engage in it. Do what it takes to deprive it of its power. Refrain from the continuing habit. The goal here is to weaken the desire for sin. One old theologian says it so well. Listen to what he says. John Owen. Even the choicest saints who seek to remain from the condemning power of sin need to make it their business as long as they live to mortify the indwelling power of sin. Even the choicest saints, as long as they live, need to make it their business as long as they live to put to death the indwelling power of sin. During this part here, we will never be free from temptation. Our goal is to not let it have mastery over us. And when it comes, to beat it down. When we don't, it's going to rear its ugly head. And when you know you have an area of weakness, you've got to concentrate on that. How sad is it when a person lives for Christ and follows Christ for 35 years and then has an affair? How sad is it when a person lives with great joy in their life and then becomes bitter at the end? Continually beat down the haunting sins. Remember, they are what? Mostly dead, which means they are somewhat alive. Look at verse 6. Paul says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. In verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Because of these sins, the wrath of God is coming. Not on you. You've been justified. You've been covered. Christ took care of that. Your power of attorney. He signed for you. You're not going to get the wrath. But the world is going to get the wrath who do not trust in Christ, all in Adam, not in Christ. Why do you want to go back and participate in those things you used to live in, in the things that God's wrath is going to come for? You've been, that's been paid for. Don't live in that. And you have the power, the Holy Spirit living in you, not to let sin reign over you. It's going to be tempting. It's going to be desirable. You're going to fall. But by God's strength, you don't have to. So, what are you going to do? 
All of us have those areas of haunting sins. How are you going to put to death those desirable sins that surround you? What are you going to do? How are you going to put a stranglehold on them and squeeze the life out of them? How are you going to weaken the craving you have for them? What are you going to do to hold back your power? Remember, you are united with Christ. You are in union with Christ. And you have all you need to refrain. Jesus has given you everything you need. You're going to have to draw on His power. And you're going to have to take practical steps. Now, I could stand here and give you practical suggestions. But I am not going to do that. You are smart enough to know what you need to do. You're smart enough to know who you need to stay away from. You're smart enough to know what you need to stay away from. You're smart enough to know what you need to unplug or quit watching. And I'm convinced it's not about practical suggestions. It's about your desire. And it's about your determination. And it's about your discipline to submit yourself to the control of the Spirit in order to put down and beat back and put to death these haunting sins. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Would you like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? One who experiences His power, peace, truth, and joy? Well, that's what Paul wanted for the Colossian church, and his letter to them still resonates with our hearts today. Let it resonate with yours by claiming your copy of Ron Moore's devotional titled Overflowing. This digital companion to the audio series we're currently enjoying will fill your soul with security, commitment, and liberty in Christ. You can get yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's rejoin Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. Someone has well described unforgiveness as the poison we drink, hoping the other person will die. And so we keep this unforgiveness within us and it boils and it boils until it's eating us up. Paul says, forgive whatever grievances you have. And then he makes this statement that just kind of drives the nail down deep. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think about all the times you have disappointed God. Think about all the times you have known what you were supposed to do and just chose not to do it. And He's willing to forgive you. Every sin of yours and mine on the cross with Him. And so Paul says, forgive. But Christians, here's the deal. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Some of you are held back from serving the Lord fully because of your unwillingness to forgive. And in our natural person, quite honestly, when someone has hurt us or someone has disappointed us, naturally we like to just chew on that, don't we? But again, we're the ones that are being poisoned. Harboring a grudge will lead you back into those sins of the dirty clothes that we talked about earlier. Remember, you're supposed to take them off. Some of you have 
tried to take off these sins for years, and you can't do it. Some of you have been hanging on with unforgiveness for years, and you can't do it. But remember, God can. He's the one who's going to supply the help you need. He's the one who's going to supply the strength you need. God is the one who gives us everything we need. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And to help you experience the abundant life, we invite you to download a PDF copy of Overflowing. It's a powerful reminder that Christ has provided all you need for life and godliness, a life filled to overflowing. Overflowing is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmore.org. That's ronmore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.